Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Michael Hoggard continues his look at giants in the Bible, and Greg Patton is living in today's world. Thank you, my friends. Thank you for your support of our Studio 50 project. We're currently at just over 73% of our goal. With your help, we'll be able to update our recording studio with all new equipment and software. Please consider giving a gift today. Call 1-800-652-1144 or give online swrc.com. Thank you for your support of Studio 50 and Watchmen on the Wall. Pastor Michael Hoggard is back to continue his examination of what the Bible says about giants. Do you believe in giants? In Genesis 6, the Bible says that there were giants. But were these actual giants, or were they merely men who were descended from the line of Seth? My guest today is going to help us answer that question. Pastor Michael Hoggard is with us. Pastor Mike is the senior pastor of Bethel Church in Festus, Missouri, and he's well known for his video messages. He is a longtime friend of this ministry, and he's a fantastic Bible teacher. And Pastor Mike has produced a new DVD titled Giants for Those Who Don't Believe. Pastor Mike, welcome back again to the Watchman on the Wall. Good to be back with you again, Brother James. Well, last time we spoke about Genesis 6, and if someone missed that episode, would you explain the two beliefs that we discussed that have to do with the sons of God and the giants? I remember being at a conference with you folks out at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania a few years ago. And when I got up on the podium, I said, I love God's people because they're the only people in the world who actually believe in giants, dragons, and unicorns. <laughs> and I got a really nervous laugh from the audience. I don't think some of them really believe that. But anyway, the two primary theories that I've read, and I've heard from other ministers, that the sons of God were either the angels when we say angels, there's two types. There's good ones and there's bad ones. We know a third of them are going to be cast out of heaven. And a literal interpretation of the sons of God would be the angels, and the daughters of men would be female human beings. Then the alternate idea is that the sons of God were the children or the offspring of Seth, who was the surviving son of Adam. And they use the last verse in, I think, Genesis 4, where it says that when Seth was born, and then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So they extrapolate from that, that in the days of Seth, that there were all these righteous people living on the earth, and they were good people, and they were holy, and they feared God. And then they say that the daughters of men were the offspring of Cain, who murdered his brother, and he had a mark on him that God put on him. And so that it was the combination of, we would say, like Christian people marrying unchristian people. And, you know, Paul says, be not unequally yoked. And so they were unequally yoked. And God was angry about that. But again, we have in our culture, in our country, we have saved people marrying lost people all the time. It happens. It's happened in my family. It happens in our churches. We see it a lot. And I've yet to see when a saved person married a lost person that they produced a beast, that they produced a giant. 
so it doesn't have a scriptural answer to it. It doesn't answer the question of why these people, these giants, were so big, so fierce, so strong. I mentioned yesterday in Numbers 13, the report of the spies were that the cities were walled and built high up to heaven, and we have evidence all over the world of large, huge, 50-ton, 100-ton, 200-ton, sometimes going up maybe to 1,000-ton, stones, monoliths, buildings, remnants of walls, the largest quarried stone in the world is sitting just outside Baalbek, I believe it's in Jordan, and it's there to this day. Nobody knows how it got there. It's only partially sticking out of the ground. Estimates of its size and height range anywhere from 500 tons to 1,000 tons. And stones just like that exist currently on the wall that was built around Baalbek, and you can see a difference. The foundation stones were these humongous monolithic stones that nobody, nobody in their right mind would ever try to quarry, much less try to build a wall out of it. And then you see a changeover to much smaller stones that could be lifted either by slaves or soldiers or whoever. And we know the Romans were there, and they finished building part of it. But those foundation stones of that wall in Baalbek are incredibly, unrealistically huge. Nobody would want to tackle a thing like that unless you were of a race that had the ability somehow, someway, either by strength or who knows what, to be able to, number one, quarry those stones, number two, move them, in some cases, hundreds of miles, and then number three, place them in some of the most accurate stone masonry that's ever been seen on planet Earth, there are walls in South America that are polygonal in nature, meaning that they have, in some cases, eight to ten different sides to them, and they fit absolutely perfectly in with the stone next to it as if they were laser cut by some unknown device placed there without mortar and so tightly that not even a piece of paper could go in between them. We know the technology of these walls was extremely advanced. They were even using notches put in between two stones that made like a bow tie symbol, and they would pour probably melted iron into those notches to hold those stones together. That's technology that they say did not exist in the Bronze Age or in the age when these walls would have come about. And so the idea that these sons of God and these daughters of men, or these sons of God, were just mere mortal humans who married the wrong mate, it doesn't answer the question of the ability, the fierceness, the size, and the strength of these giants. And so I'm then stuck with the choice of how then could these sons of God be, according to the Bible, of the angelic realm? After Genesis 6, we next read about the sons of God in the book of Job. 
it doesn't make any sense for me to look at the sons of God in Job and not think angels. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. The phrase sons of God in the Old Testament, sons of God have Genesis 6, Job 1, Job 2, and Job 38. Mm-hmm. Job 1, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Same thing in Job 2, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also. And then you have Job 38, 7, it mentions the morning stars. We know in the Bible that the stars are a reference to angels. We have in Revelation 12, Lucifer, Satan, one-third of the angels are cast down to the earth, and we also see that Lucifer was part of that because he had his tail take one-third of the angels, or the stars, the Bible says, and cast them down to the earth. So we have this consistent reference to the Bible that stars represent angels. So we have the morning stars sing together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. We also have a third witness in the Old Testament and it comes from the book of Psalms. And Jesus actually quoted this verse when he said that ye are all gods, and all of ye are children of the Most High. So children of the Most High is another way of saying the sons of God. And David said and Jesus said that they were gods with a little g, meaning that they were of a spiritual nature. They were of the angelic realm. They were not human. And so I have those witnesses from the Old Testament consistently telling me that the sons of God are of the angelic realm. Even though they're evil angels, they are still angels nonetheless. They are non-human, they are immortal, they live in the realm above us, and their presence is here on earth, we just can't see them. And so that leads me then to the New Testament. Now we have a change in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, there is practically no reference to the sons of God being angels. But the sons of God are those who are saved. John 1, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Romans 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I love this one. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And John is describing, I believe, the resurrection. When this mortal body will be taken off, we will be translated into heaven. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15 will be translated into heaven, given a brand new body that will match the body of Christ. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And now, here's what Jesus said when they questioned him about if a man marries a wife and has no offspring, and then his seven brothers marry her, whose wife will she be in heaven? And Jesus said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection... We shall be as the angels of heaven. So we have in the New Testament consistently that the sons of God are those of us who are believers in Christ. We are born again, and either by our death or by the rapture, the translation, the resurrection, when that day 
happens. We are transformed into a new creature. We have a new body. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, we have a spiritual body and no longer a mortal physical body any longer. And then Jesus says that we will be as the angels of heaven. So, going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, I believe the Bible is consistent in that it tells us that the sons of God definitely are the angelic realm. If you're just joining us today, I'm talking with Pastor Michael Hoggart about his DVD, Giants. For those who don't believe, this DVD contains three and a half hours of deep Bible teaching, and you can get a copy right now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Pastor Mike, I mentioned that there are over three hours of Bible teaching on giants for those who don't believe, and you spend a large portion of the last hour answering two questions. And I want to ask you those two questions. Do angels Uh have bodies, and do angels have DNA? Okay, I was stunned. Because I asked that same question, too. I'm going, okay, the Bible says they're angels, but how did this work? How did this happen? In America, our version of a spirit sort of resembles Casper the Friendly Ghost more than it does reality. We envision this mist or this see-through entity that doesn't really have a form. It doesn't really have a tangible, feelable seeable body. There's a lot of people, Brother James, that are stuck on that idea. Mm -hmm. But when you read the scriptures, you see something different. Let's go to the Old Testament very quickly. When Abraham saw Jesus and those two angels coming in Genesis 18, before the two angels went to Sodom, he fed them, he washed their feet, they sat down and ate with him and conversed with him, the Bible describes them as men in Genesis 18. They had the body, the appearance, the feel, and the ability to eat food just like we do. Then in Genesis 19, they're very well-fed angels, because Abraham fed them in Genesis 18. They get to Lot in Sodom, and Lot says, come in, let's have a bite to eat. He feeds them. They go into Lot's house. They sit at his table. They eat his food. The men of Sodom want to sodomize these two angels. They want to have their way with them. We know they're angels because the Bible says they are. We know they look like men. And, of course, these angels have the ability. They cast blindness upon everybody in Sodom. So these guys are feeling about, not knowing where they are. And in every case in the Old Testament where you have an angelic visitation on earth, that angel looks like a human. It looks like a man. Same thing with Elizabeth and Zacharias, John the Baptist father and mother. The angel Gabriel appeared. It was a man. The Virgin Mary saw the angel Gabriel. He was in a man form. And we have really no evidence. Some people say, well, that's how they appear to us, but that's not how they really are. Well, we don't have any other biblical evidence of that. Now let me read 1 Corinthians 15. When I came upon this, to me it just opened this wide open for me. So Paul is trying to describe the resurrection of the dead, because there were some people who had questions about it. We know the Sadducees didn't even believe it. So Paul says this in verse 36, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, 
but bare grain. So right now, James, the body that we live in is the bare grain. It's not the real body that we're going to have when we're in heaven. It may chance of wheat or some of the grain. Verse 38, here's the key. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. So verse 38, 1 Corinthians 15, is telling us that if it has a body, then it was seed that made that body. We know Mm -hmm. seed now is DNA. We know that DNA makes everything that's in our bodies, that's in our dog's bodies, our goldfish bodies, everything. Then he says in verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh. There's a kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also, here it is, verse 40, there are also celestial bodies, that means of the heavens, the heavenly realm, those beings, those angelic creatures have bodies. Go see what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 1. He sees the cherubim. They have bodies. They have a body of a man. They had the faces of different things. He said there are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. There's earth bodies. There's heaven bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So right there, if we take those two ideas, verse 38, verse 40 together, number one, Celestial beings, angels, have bodies. They're different bodies, but they're bodies just the same. Number two, the Bible's telling you, if it has a body, it has seed. It has DNA. And to me, then, that locks it up. That somehow, someway, these angels... now. Some will then go back to the argument that I laid out earlier with what Jesus said, that we will be as the angels in heaven, for they neither marry nor are given in marriage. I think the caveat in the two places where Jesus said that was that he specifically mentions that the angels in heaven are forbidden to marry. So let's take what Jude said, that these angels left their first estate, which was heaven, they left the glory of heaven, and they fell to the earth because we know that's what evil angels do, they fall. We know the literal meaning of the word nephal, which is given to us in Genesis chapter 6 when it's translated as giants, the literal interpretation of that word means to fall. So these giants, to me, are of the fallen ones, they're of the fallen angels. And they passed their seed on to human women. Now, is that so unusual? We're living in a time right now where we are on the verge of hybridizing everything on the planet, including humans. We're doing exactly what God forbid the Israelites to do, and that was to gender their cattle with a diverse kind. They were not allowed to plant their vineyard, their grapes, and their wheat in the same field. God said, I don't want that. I don't even want you wearing a woolen and a linen coat. Wool is from animals, linen is from plants. He said, I don't even want you doing that. What's the reason behind it? God is dead set against the mixing of DNA from one creature of its kind to another creature of a different kind. God said no, but the angels did it anyway. Mankind is doing it, and we're in the age now 
where mankind is on the verge of starting to produce hybrid human beings who will, in my opinion, no longer be human. The DVD is called Giants. For those who don't believe, it's filled with this type of amazing teaching. I want you to know how much I really appreciate your ministry, and I hope that you'll come back real soon for another visit. I appreciate you guys, too. God bless. Get the complete two-day conversation on Giants with Michael Hoggard on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Do you believe in Giants? Well, you should. The Bible confirms the existence of Giants. In his dynamic presentation, Pastor Michael Hoggard examines what God's Word teaches about Giants. And he answers the questions, who were the sons of God? Who were the Nephilim? And were there giants after the flood? Find out the answers to these questions and more in Michael Hoggard's Giants DVD collection. Two different DVD sets with over seven hours of study and insight. This DVD collection gives a complete study of giants in the Bible and Israel's encounter and war with them, their origins, and their typology, especially in regards to David's battle with Goliath. Learn about their relevance in understanding Bible prophecy. Order Michael Hoggard's Giants DVD collection when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. Greg Patton is here now with another story of living in today's world. Have you stopped and thought recently, or have you ever thought about the providential working of God in your life? I believe God has spared me more than once. The Bible says that God knew me before I was formed in the womb. What did he do after that? I mean, before I was saved, did he look after me, do you think? That is an interesting question. Do you know I nearly killed my wife, then my girlfriend, When we were juniors in high school, it was in the winter, and it was after junior play practice. Sharon and I were starring in some high school play there, and it was interesting. The girls were kind of riding around, and us boys decided we'd throw snowballs at them. That didn't turn out so well, because I ended up hiding behind a tree, and I think at some point there, the snowball throwing got a bit—well, I know it did— a whole lot more intense along the way. I don't recall. The the girls weren't throwing snowballs at us, but, man, we were sure heaving them, (laughs) the snowballs at them, and we got more serious at throwing things at the car. I remember Gloria Martz was driving, and my girlfriend at that time, Sharon, was sitting in the middle, and they had gone around the block a couple of times, and I was ready with my heavyweight snowball. It actually had a big clump of ice in it. Little did I know, and here comes that providential working part, little did I know that they had dropped my Sharon off at home. I thought she was still in the car. So here it comes up the hill, and I heave my snowball. My goodness, it hit right in the center of the windshield and shattered it, and the most unusual thing happened. Right in the middle was a V break that formed a V, 
and that thing shot right through the roof of the automobile, cut right through the roof. If my Sharon had been sitting in that same spot, the police said that she would have been decapitated. The providential working of God. That was just one of many circumstances in my life that I think back on now and say, was I spared? Was God looking after me then, even before I was saved? And I would have to say emphatically, yes, or I wouldn't be here today. On another occasion, in a drunken stupor before Jesus, I came home and found out that a police officer had said something vile about my wife, and, well, I just loaded up my rabbit gun, a 20-gauge automatic Browning shotgun, and I headed down the street. He only lived two blocks from me in New Haven, Indiana. How was that one going to turn out? Because I was fully, I'm just going to knock on the door. When you're young and crazy, I was a well-known disc jockey at that time. But yeah, I had a lot of problems before Jesus, didn't we all? What happened? Well, as I was walking there, somehow an Indiana State Trooper by the name of Paul Dorman that I had befriended and later helped lead to Jesus Christ, he stopped his squad car, pulled right up on the sidewalk as I'm walking down a green road there. And he got out and said, you need to put that gun in the back of the squad car and we need to go drink some coffee, my friend. I could tell he had fear in his eyes because I was drunk and he didn't know how crazy I was already thinking about killing one police officer. But I liked him a whole lot. And I ended up putting the gun in the back of the squad car and we went and drank coffee. The providential working of God. I mean, I could be in prison for the rest of my life, or maybe they would have executed me here in Indiana. Indiana Wants Me, that was a rock song made famous in the day. Oh, my goodness. God has been so good to me before salvation, as I've thought back on the many times that I've really messed up in life, but somehow things worked. And certainly since I've been saved, 1973 was that golden day, December the 31st, when a teenage boy invited me to church and I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. This has been one terrific adventure following God and into the ministry. It's hard to believe that I've been at the same church, the cross, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, now 34 years. And so many people have come to Christ in our ministry around the country and around the world. And certainly now with radio, oh, my friend, it is exciting. I continue to say that, and I trust you get the gist of it every time I say it. Following the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a fantastic way to live and a fantastic way to die. For the moment you stop breathing on this side of the curtain, you'll be dancing with the angels in heaven on the other side. You'll be with Jesus Christ forever and ever. There are so many stories living in today's world. And my friend will note, this has been one. God bless. Order Michael Hoggard's Giants DVD collection today. Over seven hours of dynamic teaching. Order Giants when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online swrc.com. Tomorrow, Mac Dominic shares something you might not know about Masons in your church. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for 89 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Thank you.